Everybody, it's Jesse Wayne Taylor, the bald-headed country boy, here with uh, my pop, Mr. Papa T, the other bald-headed country boy. How's it going? It's sure getting late. I'm getting about ready to go to bed. This is the latest one we've done, I think. Yes, sir. We've not done one this late. Not yet. We've not done one this late. The last one was later, but this or uh, the last one was late, but this one's later, sir. Yeah, yeah. So we can't go any later than this, otherwise I'll be asleep and all you hear is me snoring. But I have my CPAP machine, so. I don't snore anymore, but I do sound like Darth Vader. Well, the reason we've uh, decided to run this one so late is because we've got some special guests here with us tonight. The uh, first episode that we ran, we uh, talked about a song that I I co-wrote several years back called Papa's Paycheck that I put out on an EP called Slowing Down a couple years ago. And uh, Dad was like, you know what, I'd, I'd love to have the guys that you wrote that song with come in and do a podcast with us and uh each of y'all get on there and 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 tell us different stories that that you remember about your granddad and like things that you wanted in the song this that and other and blah 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 and i was like you know that'd be a dadgum pretty cool episode i think you know of all the songs that that you've written that song uh resonates with me more than any any of the other songs that you've written i think and it's because of the the lines in there that that are so detailed uh with your with 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 the person's relationship with with good granddaddies mm-hmm. and i was fortunate enough to have two wonderful granddaddies and and I, I i think about them often i think about them every day and and i had such a good relationship with them and very fortunate to, to have known them for a long time before they entered into eternity and i just really want to hear what what everybody else's relationship was with their granddaddy and how it how it built that song you know uh so it's going to be exciting thank you guys so much for being here with us tonight jesse i'll let you introduce yeah, i was about to say i'll do a little introduction here then so uh one of my old buddies right here cody walden you know he's one of the actually i think if i remember one of the first nashville songwriters i followed on twitter man that's probably the first time that I've ever been called a Nashville songwriter. Dude, for real. You was one of, when I was in college, you were one of the first Nashville songwriters I it followed was, on Twitter. Cause Twitter was a thing back then. So. Yeah. It was. It was a, it was a big deal. I, I think I followed you on Twitter and sent you a message. I do. I remember that. I remember where I was at <laughs> when I got that message. Cause it was, uh, it was very flattering. It was very flattering. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I may have been with a with a young lady that I showed that message to, who uh, actually thought I was somebody when uh, <laughs> when I, when I showed it to uh, her because Jesse was very, uh, mm. you know, very flattering in in you know what he said and to me, and it was just. Uh, well, you know. he's a big time Nashville songwriter, and I, was, I I I thought a lot of you and was trying to get me a co-write. So yeah. you didn't even it know you didn't even know you're a big Nashville songwriter, yeah, man. I, I still don't know that. <laughs> still don't know that. No, nah, dude. Uh, so uh, I'll I'll let you tell me a little bit about yourself, Cody. And before you do that, for real, Cody is one of the first guys that I I met running around town, and you know when I was in college, and gosh, even like. Yeah, when I was young in college. And, uh, dude, you were just always so kind to me, and you always made me feel like I was 
like a part of whatever group of people you were talking to and that that always really meant a lot to me man because this is a very clicky town and uh dude you just it didn't matter who you was talking to you always made me feel like i was i was at least your cousin if not your brother (laughs) well you know it's funny you say that i i remember there was a movie about lane frost called eight seconds and there was a line in the movie where he's talking about all those other rodeo cowboys and he said you know i was always trying to be around them and they didn't ever they didn't ever want nothing to do with me and he said that was um you know i decided right there that that you know i wasn't going to be like that and when i got to nashville you know the 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 big timers in nashville was you know was a few fellas from georgia and um when they you know when I was trying to get in with those guys, it was the same type of feel. They didn't they didn't want a whole lot to do with me, you know. And and I said, I guess just like Lane Frost said in that movie, that you know I wasn't ever going to be like that. Yeah. And I mean, you know, like you say, getting to grandpas. I mean, I, you know, one thing that I remember that I, it's it's it gets kind of blurry, but I, I have to I have to. Uh, you know, most of the things that that I remember uh, came from my daddy or my granddaddy, but I feel like that they probably started off with my granddaddy and, and then went to my daddy, but there was always uh, something they used to say about, uh, you know, um, you know, you remember who you pass on that ladder because on the way back down, you're going to pass them again. That's right. And, and That's it's, right. It's, it's, it's the truth. I mean, you know, there's, you know, uh, there's uh there are a few things that are forever and you know one of them for for sure is uh you know getting getting at that that peak of of your career whether it be country music or whatever uh you know it's it's finite i mean it's it's going to end eventually yeah well thank you for being a good buddy and always always being a good friend because you've been that over the years i've i've had some hard times and you've dropped off gifts on my front door just just to make me feel better and what you know what speaking of gifts it's your I birthday did. isn't it actually as a matter yesterday of fact. uh sunday was my birthday well, this yesterday. is from me and chase that's a uh, a present from both of us we want to tell you happy birthday oh my goodness are you serious that's for you oh my goodness we really Dude, appreciate the invite this this is awesome Neither did I. oh Man, a lot. Look at that. A beautiful, a beautiful blue handled case knife. <laughs> How did y'all know I love case knives? That's I, my favorite. I figured, you know, <laughs> I, first time I ever met, uh, first time I ever met Jesse, or maybe the second time he was packing, and I said, well, he's probably packing because his daddy's always packing, and most folks that are packing like a case knife. Man, I, I all right, I'm not going to say much because I'm going to break down and have a case of Uncle Wilburn's come over on me, but. Man, I really do. I really do appreciate this, guys. Happy birthday, me and Chase. Thought you thank like y'all that. so much. We thought I will like treasure that. this. I will absolutely Dude, treasure this. How did you bring a gift right out? Right out. Right after I was talking about you giving gifts. Oh my gosh! Gift. I just you know I don't even know what I don't even know what to say. He did. Uh, I know, don't even know what well, to say. Happy birthday! I am don't completely blown away. Thank y'all so much for this. this well, is that's awesome. a great segue, Chase Walden. All right, so tell us a little bit about your Chase. Chase Daniel, I'm sorry, good Lord, Cody, mixing y'all up. Chase Daniel, your buddy's with Cody from Georgia, right? So tell us a little bit about uh, about 
how uh, if how you remember the co-write getting set up between us, and then tell us a little bit about yourself too. Okay, uh, so I'm I'm a singer songwriter. Well, I'm really not a singer. I'm just a songwriter. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. Um, so I met Cody at Georgia Southern, and um, we lived in the same apartment complex. And uh, we ne- it, it, what's, what's funny is we live right beside each other, and we never wrote together. You know, it took him moving to Nashville for us to, to write together. Um, but I was up in uh, Nashville for my bachelor's party about 11 years ago and um, was at a Chris Knight concert in um, the Exit Inn. And um, Cody and I just bumped into each other and said, hey, wait, we know each other. I actually think Cody may have spotted me from – across the room and approached me but long story short uh we met in nashville again and kind of you know reunited and um we that talked where we found out that you wrote and i wrote yeah i don't even think we knew each other played or wrote music well that's that's kind of what i was going to say is is one of the reasons we never wrote in statesboro i think is because we didn't know each other wrote yeah you know um so he was kind of like, what are you doing up here? And I said, well, I'm on my bachelor's party, but, you know, I write songs. And so what are you doing up here? And he was like, well, I moved up here to write songs and, and pursue a, I don't know if you were pursuing an artist uh, career at the time, but um, I knew you were up here for writing. But um, so we should get together. So uh, next thing you know, I'm calling him up. And I said, hey, I'm going to take you up on that uh, getting together thing because I was still living in South Georgia. Oh, I still live in South Georgia. And um, Cody said, well, I live in the basement currently of somebody else's home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but if you want to come right, come on. Yeah. And so uh, we were sitting around in the basement of somebody else's house at the time. And um, I said, you know, you got any ideas for a song? And he said, well, I got these, you know. And then I threw out some ideas, and he said, Hold that thought when I said Papa shared his paycheck. Yeah. He said, I said, what are you doing? He whipped his phone out and he said, I'm calling, I'm texting a buddy of mine. I said, who's that? He said, Jesse Taylor. He's an awesome singer-songwriter. Like, you'll love him. And he said, we need to write this with him. And I said, let's do it. That's hilarious. Okay, so I can't, I'm so glad you said it like that. Because what I remember of my end of getting in on the co-write was... I feel like I had a conversation with you the I night thought, before it. To I thought we roof. were at the revival, and I yes. was like, "I got to write tomorrow." I Come said, on! I said, "Cody Walden, when am I ever going to get to write a song with you?" And he said, "I'm writing with a buddy tomorrow from Georgia. Why don't you get in on it?" And I was like, "Okay, I'm." You damn. may have been at that revival because you were staying. You with weren't me. there. Were you not there yet? Because I feel like I'd have known if I'd have met you. In was person. it at Tin Roof? Yeah. yeah, yeah, I was there. You, I feel like I would have. I remember he's, he's meeting slept. you because I feel like the first time I met you was at the house. But I may be wrong. First night I met you was at the house. Yeah. So I think we talked the night before, and maybe y'all had that. I don't know when y'all had the conversation. Anyways, regardless, that's hilarious. That was um, yeah. I remember Chase. He stayed there, and it. it you know, I, Chase. He he'll be kind and say he slept on the couch, but this wasn't a couch. This was a love seat. It was it was it was as long as this table is wide, and it was uh, it was humble. I'm telling you that that 
that little basement apartment it, it had everything i needed but it was it was very humble and uh chase slept right there on the couch and and that's where we wrote the song so yes definitely i remember you throw that's what i remembered was you throwing out papa's paycheck and then us being like I mean, I feel like I remember saying, oh, I'm always down to write a good granddaddy song or something like that. Yeah. And One of the fondest memories I have about that whole situation and that whole ride was you played that lick on the guitar. That was the way it came together. I mean, you that's that was the thing. I, I was – you played the lick, you brought the idea, and it was just like, Okay. Like, I, I probably could not have asked for a better first co-write in Nashville. Like a first writing experience. So this was your, this was your first co-write in Nashville? Your very first. Wow. It would have been one of my first co-writing experiences, especially with more than one person. I had written one-on-one before, but it, this was, I was new to co-write, relatively new to co-writing too. And you know, the best thing about a three-way write um is you you don't it's a lot harder for one person to dominate the right you know if there's a great idea you can usually get two people to talk the third one into it and if <laughs> if it's a you know on the other hand if it's a bad idea you know the other two might so i mean you know three way co-writes you know, in my experience, have produced great songs. Now, once you know the song goes number one, you start paying people. You you wish it was a two way or or one way, but you know what kind of problem? <laughs> what kind of problem is that? What's that? Having a song go number one and split it three ways? I don't know. Yeah, what kind know. of problem is that? I, I, I want to no know. <laughs> I, I've never had one go number one, so me neither. I'm not quite uh, sure how that goes down yet either, but. So yeah, that's hilarious, and and I did love the fact that I, I I think we all, I think we all got a really good piece of that one. You know what I'm saying? Like I didn't feel like it was. It was definitely there was definitely you know, and I've I know what you're saying. I've been to several rights where. Uh, you didn't you got, feel like you contributed as much, or as some or you felt like or, you towed more of a line, okay, you know? Yeah, yeah. But that was definitely um, a trifecta type of uh, experience. And I, one thing that I said in the the first podcast was that the cool part about it was, and it was also like probably, and you guys probably felt a little bit of the frustration yourself of trying to get the specific memories of your granddad in the song. You know what I'm saying? Like for me, like I wanted the case knife in there. I wanted that single shot shotgun line. You know, like there were certain things that I remember specifically fighting for and i was curious if there were things that maybe you guys remembered that you were like yeah that definitely i wanted that line for sure i don't know i mean you know i always thought the yellow handle case was my line it, well but, it was but like i loved the case oh yeah i know you i know you love that but I, hell, see, I still, here's I, still the thing. I brought it i brought it today you, you, it's, uh, you definitely that's it right there handle. that's so that your that's, granddaddy that's gave that to you that's the knife that that i was that we were talking yeah. about, but uh, that's you awesome. absolutely said yellow handle. There's but no the the uh, you know, and there's a picture on my parents' mantle of me. The first things I ever killed were two fox squirrels. At the time, I didn't know that a fox squirrel was about as tough as a rubber tire once you <laughs> ate it. But you know, it was a single shot Stevens four ten that you know I 
I, I, you know, I don't know. Okay, hold up, hold up. Single shot too. Wait a minute, Stevens four ten. You had a four ten Stevens single shot. Yeah, yeah, we all did. Shotgun. I think everybody did. We if it did. wasn't a Stevens, it was a Harrington and Richardson or okay. a let, New let England. Me, arms. Let me tell you. Let me tell you the story. That is this, crazy. This, so when when Jesse played me the song the first time, we were in the kitchen of our, of our house, and I was doing my afternoon routine of Dude, doing I, you know going through the mail. Knew I was going to get it. All I really want to do was get everything done so I could fix my first drink, you know. And and Jesse Snare goes, hey, hey, he was really excited. I mean, I, you know, and when Jesse gets excited, you can't help but jump in there and get excited with him, you know. And he goes, I got this song I want you to listen to. And I said, okay, all right, I'm going to stop what I'm doing. I'm going to listen to this song. And when he played it, the 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 line that really hit me the hardest was I carved my name in the stock of a 410 Steven single shot. And when he said that, I immediately got teared up and just, you know, tried to hold my tears back until he got done. The reason being, my grandfather, which would be Jesse's great-grandfather, I asked him one time. He was a gun collector. He had, probably in his whole lifetime, he probably had thousands of guns. He didn't have that many when he died, but he had... Over his lifetime, he probably had that many. He loved to collect guns. Wasn't big on shooting them, but he liked to collect them. So I asked him one day, I said, Papa, what was your favorite gun that you've ever owned? What was the best gun that you've ever owned? The one that you really, the one that got away. And he said, well, he said, I've still got it. My sister has it now. She inherited it. He said it was a 410 Steven single shot shotgun. He said, I went squirrel hunting with that thing for years. He said, I killed many a squirrel with it. And he said, that to me, that was the favorite gun I've ever owned. And he said, I've still got it. And, of course, my sister ended up with it, which I'm glad she did. It's still in the family. But when he said that, I was like, how in the world did he know or how did y'all know that was a 410 Stevens that he had. Because well, Stevens not a real well-known name, you know, among shotgun collectors right now. And I'm not even 100%. I'm just going to be honest. I'm not even 100% sure that the 410 single shot I had was a Stevens. But they were dead set on Stevens. So, at that point, I didn't care. Um, but to go back to your what he said about the relationship with the gun, in my opinion... So when a kid grows up, he starts out with a BB gun. Right. And then his first rifle is usually a, a twenty two rifle. Twenty two rifle. And then his first shotgun is usually a four ten. Yeah, right. So I think that kids develop I don't want to say relationship, but it kinda is it's different with that first gun real gun mm-hmm. that's a step up from a BB gun. And what they did with it, they remember killing their first squirrel, their first mm-hmm. bird, robin, their first you know, dove their first whatever with it, shooting skeet, and um, I think it's kind of like having that first dog. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's just different. There, you've you've owned lots of dogs throughout your life, but it's just different with that first one. And so, you know, there's I, a new amount of responsibility with a with a real gun. Oh, with yeah. a there's right. a newer amount of respect with a real gun than that you didn't have when, um, you know, with just a BB gun. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, but yeah, I'll never forget. I had a, I say I had, my, my dad, uh, it was just a, a 410 Stevens single shot. I had that hammer on the back and it had the, mm-hmm. the, the thing that 
the little toggle like a, like on a double barrel that opens the breech. And then I remember uh, there was a 20-gauge, a Stevens 310 20-gauge double barrel that um, he had. And um, I'll never forget uh, when I was a kid, you know, we used to run deer with dogs. And at some point, it was blamed on me. I don't recall it. But at some point, there was a can of Beanie Weenies that were opened <laughs> and left in the toolbox. And they had run down that case down the barrel of that Stevens 20 gauge oh. and eat all the bluing off the top of the barrel. Oh. And he took it and had it cold blued somewhere. But it, was, but it still shot, though. Oh, yeah. It's, Even with the beanie weenies on it, it's it, still shot. It's still shot. That's the thing about an old shotgun, man. You can't you can't tear them down. No, it's an original point-and-click mechanism. I'm telling you, it's uh, <laughs> ain't a whole lot can go wrong on them. But I just remember uh, going back and talking about having – percentages you're you know carrying weight in the song or whatever i just remember that uh you guys both decided to go with me on the song idea so i was happy from the minute like from the get-go because i was like well if nothing else if i don't contribute but one line to the song it's my idea they went with so dude, it was a great it's uh, i mean dude people love i've, I've gotten so many I've, I've played this at so many of those acoustic shows over the years and i've gotten so many compliments about it i remember watching you play it live one time that was an awesome experience for me i can't remember what venue it was uh-huh. you were on you were at a writer's round with three other people probably bill court taps or something that's like that. exactly where it was yeah. And my I, favorite venue in Nashville. I remember now. you. I remember you playing it, and you calling me out in the back of the room. I was sitting at the table having an L or something. He <laughs> said, "I'm gonna play this next one for my buddy sitting back there that I co-wrote this with he and Cody Walden." And I just immediately was like, "Oh man, he's gonna play Papa shared his paycheck." And then you you started singing it, man. That's one of the few times I've gotten chills listening to music. You know, that's, that's I mean, it's just it's different. You know, it really is. I mean, it was a it was a great idea. It's just, you know, because it's it's it, you know. I mean, Johnny Paycheck was a, you know. I mean, he he went from the bottom to the top more than once, and, and then went to the bottom again. Right. <laughs> he, he just. Uh, I mean, and you know, uh, long before that idea had ever been brought. I mean, I can remember, you know, riding a dirt road that you know, was definitely county maintained, so we would have been thrown under the jail. But I can remember riding a dirt road about, you know, half lit listening to old violin. Just mm. that, song that song right there, just the way that it's just so dynamic. I mean, the the way that that song. And nobody know, sings it like Johnny Paycheck. No, I mean, Daryl Singletary did a great job. No, he did a great job. He did an outstanding like job, but not like Johnny Paycheck. But it's just, but you take you know something like that and i mean you know chase had the idea you know and he was you know it's just yeah but having an idea is one thing and then having two great songwriters with you to bring it to light because bringing that song to life like it's i had that idea for a long time and was scared to write it because i said i, I want to do it justice and uh, the casual listener and i remember you telling me this cody the casual listener probably won't even some of them may not may never pick up on. He's talking about the Papa sharing his money with him, but also Johnny Paycheck. Mm. Yeah, and it's time. And 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 some of them, some of the listeners, they may not catch it right off, and may catch it down the road. Um, 
and you told me, Cody, you said this one's going to have trouble being a big hit. It, it may one day be a deep album cut, but because it's just not a commercial. But let me ask you a question. It's so nostalgic. Do, you know? When you go into a right, do you always go into a right saying we want a we want a number one hit, or well, do you go in there and I, you write? Do you write something to say, you know, I want this to mean something to somebody? So I'll answer first. Um, my wife is actually the one that told me, you've got to quit writing songs for other songwriters to listen to. And I said, what do you mean? And she said, all of your songs are so deep, like early on, and they're so, she said, the casual listener, which is going to be 90 of who's going to be buying it, listen to it, pay for it. I mean, you know, they're not, they're not trying to listen to all those things you're trying to say and do. And so that was hard for me because when I wrote a song, I wrote a song that I wanted, I guess I wanted respect from other songwriters, you know, um, and I, you know, of course, everybody wants to be in a lucrative business, and you you want to be successful. How do you define success? A lot of a lot of it's monetary, but I've had to change my thinking over the ways. Um, I've been writing for almost twenty years now, or longer than yeah, a little more than twenty years now. I've had to to change the way I write and the way I approach things because at some point, you know, you do want to be successful, but. I think early on, I wanted respect more than I wanted a money dollar return. Okay, so, you know, we talk about Johnny Paycheck and, and his ups and downs in his, not only in his career, but in his life. You know, and there are not a lot of people out there, I think, today who know, even know who Johnny Paycheck was. And, you know, now when they hear, take this job and shove it, I think that's something they can sing along with. They have no idea who's even singing it, I think. You know. Yeah. I'm gonna be completely honest with y'all. Before we wrote the song, I had I had lit I had knew that song. I knew take this job and shove it. I don't even know if I I had heard old violin at that point. I know because I had I remember I, I remember when you got when you brought it up to me, I thought Wow, that really, that's an interesting, that's a really cool idea, but dad gummit man, my granddaddy didn't listen to Paycheck. Like, I remembered, you know, Johnny Cash, George Jones, Alan Jackson, like, Jean, uh, yeah, Hager. yeah, yeah. And, and, and it's not that he may not, he may have listened to Paycheck, but that was just one that, I, that just kind of slipped by me, I guess, personally. And so that was the only reason why I was like, oh, dang. But dude, there's so many people that relate to it. Just because it's a granddad and his, you know, mm-hmm. you know, it's a, it's a granddad song, right. like that. That's that. I, like it's it's funny. Some people don't even realize I'm singing, talking about a, a like you were talking about them not knowing, or I guess it was you talking about them not knowing we were talking about a paycheck, like actual physical, like him spending money on him. But some people don't even realize that I'm singing about Johnny Paycheck. That they go like that he actually spent a paycheck on him. So like you know, it's just funny how people interpret art. See, if you don't know who Johnny Paycheck is, you listen to it and think it's, you know, just about a granddad spending his paycheck. All right, so let's talk about the the individual lines, okay? I'm because there are a few things in there that I'm, you know, we've talked about the four ten Stephen single shot, 
We talked about the yellow handle, yellow handle case. Let's talk about the big league chew. Okay, because I remember, you guys may not be old I'm enough to remember this, but I remember when Big League Chew came out. Oh, that's I, why it's in the song. I mean, okay, but you probably don't remember when it came out. I don't oh, remember no, when it I came don't know out. When it came out, okay, I do. No, I, I don't. remember Big League Chew, Gator Gum. You ever heard of that? No, it was made by it was made by Gatorade. And when I you chewed it, you yeah, remember that? Yeah. yeah. It like okay. It was yellow color. You chewed it, it and you chewed it and it caused, it caused you to, it caused your mouth to produce saliva, you know, gator gum. You couldn't find it now if you, if your life depended on it. Big league chew was a big deal. And so I remember carrying when, when I was in like in the sixth or seventh grade, you're not supposed to even have chewing gum at school, much less chew it. Yeah, but I carry big league chew in my back pocket. Oh yeah, a little bit sticking out. Where and a little bit knew. sticking out, so everybody can yeah. see, except the teacher, you yeah. know. And I remember when we went out to recess, I'd put my big league chew in, I'd chew it, but not only that, I would spit. Oh yeah, just like you had chewing tobacco in your mouth. And you and you got it over the pouch. You got it over the pouch. You, know, you go right behind. You put it in. See, when know, I was at recess so and like fall the, into the pouch. When I was in recess and like the fifth grade or sixth grade, I'd go behind the tree where the teacher couldn't see me, and I'd pull the pouch out and I'd put it in my mouth just like you did chewing tobacco. You know. Oh yeah. And then I'd walk around with the, you know with the wad of it down in my lip, and I'd you know I'd spit. And of course, I made sure I spit it out before I went back in school because you get, you know, back then you get hung if you had chewing, you know, chewing gum in your mouth back then. But yeah. so I need to know who came up with the big league chew line in that thing. I don't recall. Uh, you know, I think it was. I remember big league chew when when I was growing up, and I remember having it. You know, me and my buddies all having it when we played little league baseball, and you know. All I know is I felt like that was – I don't know. I don't remember how it got put in the song, but all I remember is it was an image of something that they could do together. Grandpa would chew it because neither one of my grandpas chewed tobacco. You know, they, they smoked for 40 years and quit cold turkey, but they it was something that they could do together that, um, you know, kind of made him feel, you know, grown up and, and maybe – you know, Chase, did your did either one of your so, granddaddies chew? So I think Cody actually brought up the big league chew. You know, he was throwing out ideas that kids did with their grandpas, and I said I actually did that with my mother's daddy. He he chewed Red Man Golden Blend. There you go. And he would come pick me up in an El Camino. And well, I do remember. I oh I remember my gosh, an El Camino! Camino. Oh yeah! Oh, wow! He would come. That's an awesome vehicle in an El Camino, and he had Red Man Golden Blend, and he would get me grape or the whatever the pink flavor original i guess or he'd, he'd get me some big league too so i could so be i like guess him. that i guess that line originated with well, you then but no i don't think i i want to I, I actually want to say give cody credit and say that i didn't think of it right away but when he said something about big league chew it triggered my memory with yeah that. they just went so far with that brand of bubble gum to make it like I mean, they even feathered it out, like you know. It's, oh it's, yeah, it's feathered in the you know, it's little yeah. strips of little of, strips. You, you when you pulled it out, the little strips saying. was you, you know, you can actually you drop some on the ground. The pouch, you, know? Yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. I remember yeah. the pouch. It, the pouch was just like the just pouch like was just like a chewing tobacco pouch. Yeah, yeah, you know? it was. Uh, but you know, it was just it was something that they could 
you know, they could do together. I guess it made the little boy feel grown up. And not and, only that, it was good bubblegum, man. Yeah. yeah. It was good. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't like you just had this nasty bubblegum in this pouch. I mean, it was good stuff. Yeah, I mean, was, you know, you was, want to just keep shoving it in there. It was know? like a flattened out, uh, what was it, uh, not double bubble, but the, I mean, it was good. B- uh, bazooka? Double tape. Yeah, it was. What it was the one like that came tape. in the cubes? Oh, oh. Uh, uh, Bubble Young. Bubblicious. Maybe that was it. Maybe Bubblicious, it was I think. But it was, I mean, the about. pink and then the grape. It was, uh, the grape, though, if you got enough in there, it was, it got darker. It looked more like chewing the back of spit <laughs> than, the, than the pink did. I never had the grape. I don't know. It was, uh, I never had the grape. It was good stuff, though. I mean, it was, you know, it was, it was good stuff. I like the way you said it there, though, and I, I do, I, re, I feel like I remember us talking about that, like, um, being like, yeah, like I remember buying Big League Chew for sure in the same way or, or like wanting someone to buy it for me, like, you know, grandparent, parent, whoever. Um, and so <laughs> uh, I, I don't remember who did the red man part, but I like how that landed as well. Red which, man. which, by the I way, oh, yeah. that's a great line in that song. But Red Man chewing tobacco was the n- nastiest stuff I ever yeah, put I in my mouth. Like we talked about it, and that's the reason why we chose it because we could do that part, like Red Man, instead of doing like a beach nut, beach nut, <laughs> beach nut. <laughs> Levi Garrett. Well, Levi and like Garrett. I said, my papa actually chewed Red Man Golden Blend. Okay, there you go. Yeah. In the El Camino, yeah. yeah. which is awesome, by the way. It was, uh, you know, we didn't ever have no, no we, we wouldn't ever know, you know, big money people chewing that Lancaster or anything like or that. Or Taylor's Pride. Yeah, Taylor's Pride. Taylor's Pride, yeah. And then there was one that was called Our Pride that was like the bottom of the barrel. And you could get like the boxes of them for like 10 bucks. It was like, mm-hmm. Taylor's Pride's pretty good stuff. But. See, my, my pick was Beach Nut Wintergreen for years. Uh, and then it got to where you couldn't find it. Couldn't find it anywhere. I started buying it online in cases. I'd have cases sent to the house, you know. Golly. And then I got to the point where I started doing pouches. And to be honest with you, I wish I didn't do any of it, but I still do the pouch, you know, the pouch thing. But Beach Nut Wintergreen was my, was my pick. And I really wish y'all said Beach Nut Wintergreen in the song, you know, but. <laughs> That would really stink compared to it didn't didn't flow. No, it wouldn't flow. No, it would not flow. You know, the red man. The red man is the key. That's that's a perfect line in that song right there. And you already got Hank Junior with the beach nut line and Country Boy can't survive. That's true. Yeah, that's true. But he didn't say wintergreen. He didn't say wintergreen. (laughs) Which that stuff tasted like candy. If y'all had never had that beach nut wintergreen, was like the most. You know what my daddy always said. I don't think I've ever had a. A like a long leaf chewing tobacco that wasn't just. I mean, there's so much sugar in it. You know, it's just. Uh, it was all sweet. Yeah. You know? Yeah. We mentioned Taylor's Taylor's Pride a few minutes ago. Taylor's Pride always tastes like peaches to me. Huh. It was always that sweet. I never did like it. You know, I wanted something to give me a little bit of a burn. Right. And the and the beach nut wintergreen gave me just enough burn for a sissy. We should have never been chewing anyway, you know. So that's that's me. The CC should never shouldn't never be chewing anyway. But the uh, Taylor's Pride always tastes like peaches to me. Huh. I feel like I've 
feel like I would have uh, I would have liked that because back when I chewed, I did like a good skull peach every once in a oh, while. Oh, skull peach was awesome. If they'd have made that in pouches, I would like to have six in one side and six in the other right now, to be honest with you. But they never made that in pouches. <laughs> I just I don't like that crap falling loose in your mouth, you know, getting all in your mouth and down your throat. and everything. I just don't like that, you know, so – so, fellas, what else do you guys remember about that day? Does anything else pop out to y'all about the riot? You know, I remember I had been in that place for – let me just set up. I mean, this was – there was an older – I was living out in a place in Arrington, Tennessee, right. and found a place in Nashville because it was, you know, it was such a long drive. I found a place in Nashville that was like, you know, six or seven miles from downtown – Funny thing is, during rush hour, it still take an hour and a half to get mm. to cover that that ground. But yeah. there was a an older couple. They had a two boys that were grown up and moved out the house. They were in their you know thirties, married and moved off. And they had a basement that they had completely renovated, put a kitchen, bathroom, uh, and then the living room was like a studio apartment. There was like a living room and half of it and a bed and a, you know chest of drawers and things like that and I just remember you know it was a great place to watch a movie or get some sleep but this place was like a bordello I mean it was like cinder block you know it was the crawl space basically of a of a house and um you know I got these these two guys that came over and um you know we just we sat down right there and we wrote it. We wrote it in one session. It was a, it was a pretty. Uh, but I just remember how the song just kind of fell out. I mean, it just flowed. It flowed good. I remember getting the work tape mm-hmm. and walking outside to get service because we were in that dungeon. <laughs> and I remember going outside and sending it to like three or four of my closest friends that love music. Uh huh. And it was unanimous. Like, they all came, like, oh, my God. Like, it was this, you know, somewhere along the lines of that's a hit or it's one of the best songs I've heard or, you know, like, just wow. You know, still get that response to people that haven't heard it that I show it to. Yeah. Well, dude, I it was one of my favorite writing sessions because we, like, like I said earlier, I feel like we all got a good piece of it. I feel like we all got to and I feel like we all got to put parts of our our grandparents in there, and um, it's it it. I just get more compliments about that song than any other one. I feel like when I when I've played out over the years, um, just seems to be super relatable. That another thing that I wanted to do outside of talking about the writing session that day was just. If you guys have any memories of your granddads that you want to share and talk about, I love stories, man. And that's one of the – I love hearing my dad's stories about his granddads. And and if y'all got some about yours, I'd love to hear some of them. You know, I mean, it just – my granddaddy, I'll never forget, he had a – I don't know, it was a sock, a gym sock. And it was full of pocket knives that he had just had over the years and carried, you know, and have a new one. I'll never forget when I got this knife. I don't recall if he bought me this knife, but I remember 
being just devastated when the blade started to turn because when you get these knives new it's just uh just like the new one y'all gave it's me it's like a mirror yeah and i was just like and i remember him telling me that all those blades he said all the blades turn like this and he he had a full-size sod buster and i remember and a full-size sod buster is like a banana i mean it's a big knife but i remember him telling me he said they all turn like that he said it's that carbon steel and he showed his and his looked like this and you know mine was kind of in between it was kind of in my knife blade was kind of in puberty it was in that awkward stage where it was partially (laughs) mirror and partially starting to turn and he said if you put it in a potato he said you take it and stick it into a potato he said you know a day or two that that blade will completely turn and you know that part of it was, uh, you know, there was definitely a, a I guess, a, a relationship between him and Case Niles. But, I mean, I remember shooting those first two fox squirrels were, were over at his farm. Uh, you know, they were, you know, ran up a pine tree. And I'll never forget, that I was with my dad, and I shot them, and... The second squirrel, I had shot it, and I didn't realize I had killed it. And I loaded another shell in and closed the breech and pulled the hammer back. And about the time I put the bead on that squirrel, it was just hanging on, and it fell out the tree. And I looked at him, and I said, do you just do I just have to shoot it? That was the first time I'll never forget my dad showing me how to put my finger on the hammer and decock it because I didn't know. I thought once you cocked it, that was it. You had right. to, you, it was it. Right. And he showed me how to how to decock that that old Steven single shot right there. And um, you know, it was uh, it, it's just funny how you know uh, I don't know how everybody thinks, but. There are certain things that just you, you, your mind gets flooded with, with ideas and things. And, you know, I mean, I think Chase bringing that idea, you know, we were both, Jesse and I both, you know, were just flooded with ideas and, and memories of our grandfathers and just, mm-hmm. you know, but I, I also think the songwriting gods were, were with us on that song because like y'all said earlier, I mean, I knew who Johnny Paycheck was. I knew he was a country singer. I knew take this job and shove it. I wasn't. I, I. I don't think that off the top of my head that I knew he was the singer of old violin or I'm the only hell my mama ever raised. And I remember searching Johnny Paycheck songs, yep. trying to figure out. And I'm like, okay, well that one. I mean, I'm the only hell my mama has, has got a kind of an edge to it. And then I was like, oh damn, old violin is another one. Let's take. You know, and it just the way that those came together and flowed for that chorus. You know, I I I can't take credit for that. That was that was just uh, fate that those all came together and you know made a good chorus. So, I was fortunate growing up. Um, not only did I have my mother's father and my my daddy's father, I had two uh, great-grandparents, two great-grandpas, and um, just two quick stories about them. I, I just remember sitting on the porch with my Papa Leland all the time and just just sitting there 
you know, mm-hmm. not even really talking about a whole lot, but just enjoying sitting on the porch in a rocking chair or swing. But, um, and then I remember my papa, Leroy, used to, he was another great grandpa, used to pull up at my grandma's and, um, we'd be outside playing on riding bikes or playing football or baseball or whatever. We would always be real hot and thirsty. And every time he pulled up, I knew he was going to have a fountain diet Pepsi on ice. And I could always run up to him and get some. Um, but then my Papa Julius, um, was, was my daddy's daddy. And he was the one that was more centered around the 410, um, shotguns. And I remember probably my fondest memory about him is, um, my first cousin that spent a lot of time at their house growing up had a go-kart, a single-seater go-kart. And then my brother and I had a double-seater go-kart. And one of our favorite things to do was to get Papa to ride behind us on the road and let us drive about a mile down the road to a big pecan orchard that my great-uncle owned. And we would just turn loose and do laps after laps after laps around those pecan trees. And I remember that he would, um, he had old, one of those pecan grabbers is what I call them. You know what I'm talking about on the end of, on the end of a stick and you would jab the pecans and it would pick them up till it got full. I had no idea what you're talking about, but I'm intrigued. You know how they've got these old things that it's like a cylinder with a bag that you pick up golf balls with? Yeah. Okay. Well, this is like a broomstick about, I don't know, four or five foot long, but on the end there's, about it's five pieces iron, of wire, metal, and that that yeah. wire will bend around those pecans and and then and then go back to shape. So when you go around that pecan, it'll it'll pick it up. Okay, so let me stop y'all a minute. Y'all keep saying pecans. Yeah, it's and not I've, pecans. I've heard. I that. say pecans. Well, is, am, am I wrong? I don't Straighten know. me We're out. From a little Straighten me south. out. If I'm wrong, I'll, I'll call them pecans from from now. On. I, I don't yeah. know, and I you know I don't. I feel like that it would be detrimental to get into that argument. If you look at the word. <laughs> If you look at the word, it should be pecans, but I've always heard them called pecans. I've made that argument to people before. I don't, you know, I don't know. I think it's kind of what feels what feels right. I was I always called them pecans, and I always called them pecans, but I always, I always said butter pecan for ice cream. Yeah, isn't that something? Yeah, I, I do call I do call a butter pecan pe- yeah. butter pecan, but I right. always called it pecan. I guess it was the way that That's I heard so it. True. I think yeah, y'all I, I, I think guess. y'all have convinced me. So so are you from South Georgia as well? Oh yeah, oh, you're from South Georgia, right? All right, so this this must be a South Georgia thing. Yeah, and I've always had a lot of respect for South Georgia. I've driven through there many a times. You know, going to visit folks down in Florida and everything, and uh, always made stops at, at different little tourist areas down there and i've always heard people call them pecans and i look you know, i want to look up mama and say what what the heck are they talking about don't they know they're pecans you know i don't but know i think you're right with the little nut <laughs> whatever you want to call it he would pick them up with that grabber till it got full and then you open help me cody on this he would open a little side gate and dump yeah. them out into a five gallon bucket mm-hmm it's about as big as a softball. Yeah. So you'd probably get, I don't know, two handfuls, twenty pecans maybe. Then he would dump those into a five-gallon bucket, close it back, then he would go back to picking them up. And the whole time we raced go karts. 
And he's picking up pecans. He's picking up pecans. Uh, till we got ready to go. And um, then my papa George was my mama's daddy. My papa George was the one that always, every time he saw me, would slip me a $20 bill. And $20 used to be a lot when I was it a did. kid. Yeah. Um, he would always slip me a $20 bill. He would always uh, invite me to lunch or breakfast with him. Mm. Um, I remember going to the coffee shop with him all the time. Now, this is your great-grandfather you're talking no, no, about? No, no, This was my mama's daddy. Yeah, George. George. Okay. Yep. This was my, my grandpa, Papa yeah. George. I had Papa Julius and Papa George. Yeah. Um, and I, that's definitely where the shared his paycheck came from because – and he did get a little stipend, you know. Yeah. And he would he would take a portion of it. And he would always give me a twenty dollar bill. Um, he not just me, all his grandkids. Yeah, he always gave his grandkids. A, I'd be willing to bet he wasn't a rich man. No, and he he would tell me that, and he he always said, "I'd say, Pop, I'm good. I I don't I don't need any." He'd say, "Take it because when I die, I'm not gonna be able to leave." Exactly, anything. exactly. He said, "So while I can do for you." Let me do it. Let me do it because it made him feel good. Yeah. So, yeah. you know. I had a similar. I mean, he was a poor, you know, he wasn't a poor man. But yeah. he, no, he, he didn't have, you know, just. I had a similar situation. Nah. My, my dad was an only child. And uh, he passed away in 2011 and left my grandfather. So my sister and I. Ended up raising, I tell everybody, we, we ended up raising a grandfather. And, uh, he, he was great. I mean, you know, he, he, he was, he was a tough old World War II veteran, you know, um, just, just a good dude, you know, a little cantankerous at times, but a good dude. And, uh, I remember one morning after my dad passed away, I made a point to go visit him once, once a week on Fridays. I'd, go to Fairview. We lived in Nashville. I go to Fairview every morning or every Friday morning and I'd stay there and talk to him for a couple hours. You know, I'd get down about six o'clock and stay there and talk to him a couple hours. And when I got ready to leave, it was one of the first times I'd gone to visit him after dad passed away and he reached in his pocket and he, he had a hundred dollar bill. And and he, he said, here, I want you to have this. And I said, I, I'm not going to take your money. He said, "No, son. I want. I want you to. I want you to have this. Take it now." And I looked at him and I said, "This. I said, Papa, I'm fine. I don't need your money." And I remember him sitting down in that recliner, and you would have thought that I had just taken all the wind out of his sails. And he looked at me and he said, "There's nothing that you could have said that hurt me worse than what you just did." And I said, "What are you talking about?" He said, you don't understand it. He said, the reason I get out of the bed every morning is to take care of you and your sister. Your daddy's gone now that you all got left. And I said, I, I didn't mean that. You, you, you took me wrong. You know, I'm fine, but by all means, yeah. you know, I, I don't want you to feel that way. He said, then take the money. I said, I will. And so every time I went out there, and he gave me a sum of money. I put it in my pocket, and I took it home, and I put it in a safe, and that was Papa's money. Yeah. So if he ever needed any money, it was there for him to use, you know. But, you know, we have to realize that when people get older, and I'm getting there, 
you know, you you don't have, you can't do for people like you used to. Mm-hmm. The only thing you have left are your the five dollar bill, the ten dollar bill, the twenty dollar bill, the hundred dollar bill, whatever you got to give to your and and you want to see them enjoy it. You want them to see excited, being excited about it. So from that point on, every time he gave me a little bit of money, whatever it was, I was so excited about it. He had no idea I was taking and putting in a pawpaw fund to use for him, you know, for whatever he needed as as he got older, you know. Uh, What you just mentioned is something you'll never forget. The, The fact that these people gave you what they had. The, the pocket knife. You know, your granddaddy gave you the pocket knife. Uh, the money. That's all they had. That's, they, they couldn't, they couldn't do things like they used to back, you know, when they were 40 and 50 years old. They're getting old and they, and they can't, they can't physically do things for you anymore, but they can give you what they got. And that really, really does mean a lot to you. You know, it, the hundred dollar bill he gave me then didn't mean a whole lot. Then, but I've still got that hundred dollar bill, and as long as I'm living, it'll never be spent. It, now it will be spent if I need to, but I won't spend it unless I have to. You know, I've got it set aside. You know, that's Papa's hundred dollar bill he gave me that day. You know, I've, I, I remember it. So, you know, all, all we can gather from this song and this experience and this talk tonight is that these granddaddies really did mean a lot to us oh yeah you know and they made us the people that we are today um you know we're here at creative vets this place is a wonderful place um you know there's a uh, a lucky strike in uh i don't know what you call it what do you call it it's, it's an art piece a lucky strike art piece right here and I've told Jesse every time I come in here, if they ever decide to sell that, I want to buy it. Because my my mother's daddy smoked Lucky Strike cigarettes. You know, I can't even imagine the nastiness that came out of a Lucky Strike cigarette. But gosh, I love it. You know, I love that uh, art piece right there. The great logo. You know, I, and, and every time I see a Lucky Strike emblem, I think about him. You know, those guys meant so much to us. You know. They and really I hope did. this, and, and I know this song means a lot to a lot of people because I've talked to them about it. People come up and say, man, I love that Papa's Paycheck song. That just, that's me and my granddaddy, you know. It's just like, you guys put together a song for every person, you know, that had a good granddaddy could sit back and think, oh my gosh, yeah, I remember us doing certain things in that song that, that you brought out that, means so much to me now because unfortunately those guys aren't here anymore you know a lot of them are they only got one granddaddy that's left and you know that's the thing about old age is it doesn't last very long so it's uh it's funny you say that though about your granddaddy and sitting down in the chair because there's a there's a moment where things kind of flip and it's kind of a surreal moment and it's like about the time that you're able to do for yourself and be self-sufficient and show people that you're, you know, can take care of yourself is about the time that, you know, they get to where they can't do for you anymore. You make a great point. And they start, you know, 
you're you're basically you told your granddaddy because I did it. There were times that my granddaddy went to give me money, and I needed the money, but it was a whole lot more important for me to say, you know, I'm all right, I'm good, than it was for me to take the money. Now he would all I'd let him talk me into it, but it's you know. It was. I feel like that there was a certain amount of pride and a certain amount of, of you know, hey, I'm, I'm, you've done, you know, you've done your part in in making me strong enough to be able to provide for me and mine. You know, you wanted to explain that to them, but you know, I, I feel like what a lot of times that we forget, I know that I forget, is, you know, those old heads are a whole lot smarter than we are. They know they know that we're able to take care of ourselves and our and our own, and they still gave that money. But you make it you 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 said something right there that really resonates with me because at that time I really needed that hundred dollar bill to pay bills. Right. You know, uh, because that was in two thousand eleven when the market had tanked. It went down. Nothing. It was we, we were starving. Everybody you know? was. So he had me the hundred dollar bill, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, you know, I can yeah. take this and pay a light. I, I can put it to my light bill this month, you know." But I didn't want him to know that. Yeah. You know, if, if I had it to do over again, Cody, I would go to him and I'd say, when when he handed me that hundred dollar bill, I'd say, "Thank you so much." You don't know how much I needed this. I need this. I'm going to pay my light bill with this this month. That would have made him feel so good. Exactly, but at the time, I didn't want to. I didn't want to disappoint him. Mm-hmm. I didn't want him to think that I wasn't the man that he thought I should be. Right. You know, which goes back even say go back another twenty five, thirty years before that. My dad and I, we would butt heads on over something, and he'd say, "Well, I tell you what to do." I'd smart off to him, say something to him I shouldn't say. He said, I tell you what, dude, let's just get in the car and go up there and see you pop off. Well, why are we going up there? Well, I'm going to tell him what you said. Well, wait a minute, Dad. There's no need in bringing Papa into this. You and I can settle this together. Because there no way did I want to disappoint my grandfathers. That That's the truth. Ever. I mean, that's the truth. You I, know? I, um, you know, there, there are things that... Many things, many things that, uh, you know, I'd be crawling under, you know, crawling under the house to try to not, because, I mean, this wasn't daddy. This was daddy's daddy. Daddy's daddy. And it was, um, it was funny. But, you know, another thing, I think you mentioned earlier, your, you said your grandpa was in the military. I mean, I don't know too many people. I mean, there was a time there where everybody was in the military right. pretty much. And, your granddaddy, great granddaddy, great granddaddy. Right. You said World War Two, and my granddaddy, he was he retired from the military. He 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 was he was born in in East Tennessee, raised there, and then the military. He joined up to get out the coal mines, and and that took him to South Georgia, and and he served in Korea, and then stayed on and was a recruiter, and and was was in the military during Vietnam. He didn't go to Vietnam, right? But um. You know, I mean, I guess we all are kind of products of uh, granddaddies or great granddaddies that uh, that served in the military, and um, that's kind of that's kind of uh, you know, my yeah. granddaddy got two purple hearts. That's kind of uh, full circle. Being your right grandfather here, got two purple hearts. Two purple. I, wow. Yeah, it's funny. I just wrote a song we, recently. We wrote another. Yeah, we, me and him wrote a, wrote a wrote wrote a song. Um, it's called "The Price of Silver," and it's um, it's about my grandma's hair turning gray. 
and it's, it's, it's kind of the what turned it the gray. Sister and, song to Papa Sheridan's page. But wow. it's, uh, I want to hear that um, song. Yeah, um, uh, there there was a line in it. Um, um, what was it? Um, uh, it was um, both the grandpa's. Yeah, I'm sure uh, she didn't sleep a wink from 1950 to 53, which was the Korean War. Korean War. I'm sure both uh, Grandpa's Purple Hearts made her skip a beat. And it was, you know, just... uh, uh, Man, I'm telling you, dude, I got chills, dude. I have chills. That's amazing. That one's on Spotify, but it's got a... um, You know, I mean, and the thing about it is, going back to what you said about your grandpa, like, you know, in 2011, that was a time you needed that, you know... We only know what we know about our grandparents. We only know our grandparents as we've known them from, you know, when we were little and until now. And, you know, usually they've, they've been prudent enough to, to have the things that they need, but we don't think about the fact that, you know, there were times where our grandparents were struggling, you know, everybody, oh, everybody struggles, you know, and we, we can't even imagine the struggles I, they went through. And it's through. just, it's, it's not even, you know, we, would lose sleep and be all upset about, you know, the 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 lights getting turned off or something, and it's just like you yeah. know they washed their clothes in a in a in a stream, you know they didn't have air conditioning and and things like that, when, right? So it was um, it, it, it's it's just surreal to me to think about that how you know it's everything that we're going through they've been through it twice oh it, more least. so than we'll ever even imagine and it's just. You know, it's 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 funny when I think back uh, on things like that. It's it, you think you're uh, you think you know something until you know. I my my oh my the last grandparent I had was Papa, the one I've been talking about, and he died in 2010. And so, uh, no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, he died in 2013. Sorry, that was my father-in-law died in 2010, but uh, he died in 2013. So he's been, he'll be gone nine years this, this December. And I can't tell you the number of times in the last nine years that I've wanted to just sit down and talk to him. Uh, and, and really and truly just to get his opinion on things, you know, about life, about love, about your spouse. You know, things like that. I mean, yeah. um, it, it, it's just like anything else in this life. You don't really appreciate it until it's gone. That's right. You know? And uh, and, and, and I kind of know why Jesse's doing this podcast. He kind of wants to get my stories and everything down, you know, so that and years down the road he can go back and listen to it. Okay, that's cool, you know? But... You really don't appreciate those granddaddies. You know, I, I mean, I, I've always appreciated my grandfathers. I just don't really think that I was able to communicate to them how much I really did appreciate them until they're, they're not here anymore, you know. And it goes back to that, that last line of that song when he goes back in his new Ford F-150 and he's sitting there and he's, playing a song on his phone and i i can just i can just see myself going back to that that final resting place for my granddaddy and and the, you know the you full know. circle you know you start out with a 
the, the reason they listened to Paycheck was because the tape player wouldn't, it didn't work. It, it wouldn't didn't work. It wouldn't eject. That's all that was that in was there. all that was in there. Yeah. You, you had it, and then he, you know, he goes back to the, he's playing those old songs that he downloaded on a, you know, on a phone that, 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 that does more than, you know. Any tape player would have ever thought about yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> but there was something about those old tape players. Both of my papas really enjoyed music. Yeah. Um, I remember when my papa Julius, you know, riding around with, with him and his Ford trucks. It was always prime country, you know, yeah. Alabama, Alan Jackson, Travis Tritt, mm. you know. Um, and then my papa George was pretty much the same way, but he loved bluegrass. Mm. And, um, one thing, one of the things I do regret is, uh, around the time I was in college, he would always say that he loved to go to Kentucky to bluegrass festivals and that he also loved to come to Maggie Valley and go to bluegrass festivals. Did you say Maggie Valley? Oh, I love Maggie Valley. And he would always say, we need to go to one together. And I tried to take him once I was old enough to understand that I should have done it years ago when I was able to drive him. I would say, Papa, let's, let's go to Maggie Valley. And he would say, give me a couple months to get things lined up and we'll go. Well, it never happened, you know, so. Well, you know, that's another thing I've learned too is you, you can beat yourself up over those, those times when you, you can say, I shoulda, woulda, coulda, you know, but at the end of the day, all they really wanted was to make sure that they were cared for and loved and loved and had what they needed. And, and that's what we were able to provide for them, you know, and that we were taken care of and we were taken care of, you know, uh, my, my grandfather, Papa, what I'm to keep talking about, uh, was a very giving man. And if he ever found out anybody needed anything, he made sure they got it, you know. He really, really was. And he always, that was one of the, like, when, when you presented the idea to me, that was the first person that I thought of. I mean, I, I have so many memories from both of my grandfathers in that song as well, but that was the first person I thought of because he literally always had $1 bills on him, giving them to us when we were kids growing up. And he was in the service. He, he was in World War II. And so that, like, as soon as you pitched that at me and we came across that first little bit, it was just like, dang, that was, that was where my head was at. Well, you know, you mentioned the $1 bills that, that Papa, your great-grandfather, my grandfather had. It wasn't just you he gave it to. Any kid that came up, he slipped him a dollar or two dollars or whatever he had in his pocket, you know. And, uh, you know, that spilled over into my dad, of course, who predeceased him. And then, you know, I'd like to think it spilled over into me, you know, that, you know, you do whatever you can for a kid because I'll never forget it, you know. If a kid comes up, try to have something for them, you know, just so they remember who you are. Uh, my my dad, you know, I lost him at age 62 um, a couple of years ago. And I'm so sorry. I don't, I don't have grand granddads or my daddy, you know. Yeah, me either. But I just know that my, my daddy, you're talking about a giving man, and my daddy was one of the most selfless people I've ever met. And 
I, you know, I try to be a lot more like him, and I know that he picked up a lot of those attributes from his daddy. I know you miss your daddy, but just hearing you talk about him right there, I can hope my kids will say the same thing about me one day when I'm gone. And I just know your daddy's resting in glory right now. You know, just because of what you said. He's one of the most selfless men you ever knew, you know. And that's, uh, I, I, like I said, I, I hope my kids can say the same thing about me one day. Well, I was going to say it reminds me of something I would say about my dad, but you just said it for me. <laughs> yeah, don't you worry. I'll say that about you, but I'll tell some other stories too. You better watch out, Papa T. <laughs> you know what? I don't care. They're all true probably, you know. They're all true. Man, I just really do appreciate you guys for coming here tonight and sharing these uh, these memories of your granddaddies with us. That, that really means a lot to us. It's always fun for me to get to sit around and tell granddaddy stories. And, and as soon as he mentioned it, I was like, I'd, I'd really love to hear some of y'all's. And so I'm, I'm very glad that y'all came on here and spent your evening and time to do this. And you even bought... Papa T, a freaking case knife. I still cannot believe it. I can't that. believe it either. Well, you know. I'm just, uh, I'm stoked. I, hold on. I literally can. Honestly, before I came over here, there was one time, I don't remember what happened. It may have been. When, I don't even remember. Yeah, when you were talking about I'm going to be honest with that. you. I'm going to be honest with you, Daddy. I think it might have been. It might have been when Ma died. I don't remember. But Which there Ma was, was one time. Ma was my mother. There was one time something happened. And, and Cody dropped off a daggum case of beer and a, and a card on the front steps of our house for me. You know what I think? I think that was when mom passed away. And I did tell you after you sat up here and said I didn't. You didn't know about any surprises. That was I, it. I do think, I do think that's when sure mom that's passed away. Now that y'all are saying, uh, now, do y'all, did y'all live over there near Creve Hall? Yep. Yeah. Okay. I do remember. We still I, live there. I do yeah. remember that now. Yeah, yeah, like a cold sack. And so I thought about that today, and I've thought about that many times. And um, I thought, you know, I, I feel like I need to get Cody some kind of gift or something. He's always showing up with something. Oh. And then, doggone it, if he didn't roll in here with a case knife, I just still can't believe it. I, I mean, I you know, y'all have no idea. I love case knives. I figured you were a case I, have I don't know too many collected people. these and kept them for years. Listen, that's you know? all Cody. By the way, that was me and I, Chase. I, no, I, I, I can't, I can't, I can't end this podcast. And I've been sitting here waiting, but that's all, Cody. I had no idea he had that in his pocket. Well, I'm gonna He's tell just you, the type of guy that's. I won't tell you, that's the kind of guy he, he is. Yeah, but see, I didn't know it was your but happy birthday, but I didn't even know it was your birthday. So you know, well, if you read the text, that's just the type of guy that Cody is. You'd have read the text, you'd have known. So uh Sunday, Sunday, I turned 53, going on 77 right now. You know, uh, that's the way I feel anyway. But I, I will tell you this, uh, means the world to me that, that you gave that to me tonight. Uh, I was completely blown away. I, I can't even put into words how I feel about it. I've always said the best gift you can give a man is a pocket knife. The best gift you can give a man, you know, the, you can do anything you want to with that knife. You can put it up. You can save it. You can carry it. Or you can it give it, or if somebody, or, or if somebody comes along and, and they don't have anything, you say, Hey man, I know you don't have anything. Let me give you this pocket knife. Yeah. You know, peel an apple. 
a peel of apple, you can peel potato, you can do anything you want to with it. But I, I really do appreciate you guys for doing that. Thank y'all so much. It means the world to me. It really does. I grew up getting case knives being given to me by both grand granddads and grandparents. You look you got off your fingers. <laughs> yeah, for real, dude. Mm-hmm. I mean seriously, it's a, it's truly amazing that I ended up being I'm able surprised to I ain't cut my finger yet. Um but it it's it's funny because he not only have I gotten them from them, but like he is a huge knife guy, major case case knife guy, and he's given me probably just as many case knives as I've ever received from anyone. So like the fact that you got him that that's like that is a Papa T gift given to Papa T. That's like <laughs> I'm it, it could that's not, why I'm blown away, man. You, <laughs> you really could not have done anything else. You know what's you know I, a case knife is never as sharp as when it's brand new it's just like you it can never have somebody, will it never will be a there, there are people that can hone a knife you know but that thing will shave you when it's brand new and i found a guy over in the west side of nashville that's got a belt he's got a little gun store over there and he's got a little belt sharpener and he can get it just about just about as close but it's just it's amazing to me at how sharp those knives are when they're in that Tissue paper. You know, uh, Jesse's always talking about my stories. You know, the only reason he started this thing was to get my stories on tape. And uh, so when I first started dating his mama, very the very first time I went to her, her mama's house for lunch after church, I walked in and her, I spoke to her daddy. Of course, I've known this man nearly all my life. And I said, hey, Mr. Johnson. He goes, mm. That's all I got out of him. You know, and I'm very uncomfortable around people who don't like to talk because I like to talk. So we had hamburgers and hot dogs that day. He had the grill fired up outside, you know. So he was out there cooking hamburgers and hot dogs, and I went out there, and I, I kept trying to strike up a conversation with him, and he just wouldn't talk. So I reached in my pocket. Pulled out my pocket knife. It's probably one my granddaddy gave me. I picked up a stick on the ground. And I started whittling. Well, it, it wasn't sharp because it was an old knife, like you said. They're never as sharp as they what they are in that tissue paper. And I was whittling on that on that stick, and he goes, what "Kind of knife you got?" I said, "Well, it's a it's a, it's a little old case, you know." I, and I, to honest, I don't know what you call them, but I've always carried Toothpick. a two blade. Is it a toothpick? I think that's what they call those, yeah. a toothpick. Uh, I want to say they call that a peanut. They, yeah, that's correct. That's the peanut. That's the peanut. It's the little two-blade pocket knife they have. And I pull that thing out, and I'm just sitting there whittling on this little old stick, you know. And he goes, well, that knife don't look very sharp. And I said, well, it's not. I said, it's uh, it's about half wore out. And he said, look at my knife. So he pulled out whatever he had in his pocket. And I want to say it was a ranger pocket knife and uh i opened it up started wheeling on that stick and man i mean it was shaving shaving those things off of there you know and i took it and i went up my arm and it shaved every hair on my arm and i said my goodness that's the sharpest knife i ever seen uh, you know ever had in my life he said well let me tell you something there's no need in having a knife it's not sharp if it ain't sharp it ain't gonna do you any good well and that's in that that's, that's in that, that song, you know. And I said, "Would you sharpen my knife for me?" 
He said, y'all sharpened me for you. He said, but you're going to hurt yourself on it. So I, I left my knife with there with him. I trust him enough to leave my pocket knife there with him. Went back over there next Sunday. He said, I got your knife sharpened. He said, here. He said, I bet you cut your finger on it before you leave. I said, okay. I stuck it in my pocket. A little while later, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm, you know, showing somebody, you know, I run my thumb up that blade, sliced that thumb wide open. I had to put two Band-Aids on it to keep that thing from bleeding out all over the food I was getting ready to eat over there on Sunday afternoon after church, you know. And, but that pocket knife is what started our relationship, you know, because had I not pulled that pocket knife out and started doing the, the whittling, we would have never started talking, you know, but because we started talking about that pocket knife, you know, we, that, that started our relationship right there, you know. So thank you guys. I really appreciate it. I was Welcome. about to say, I'll tell Happy you birthday. what, I'm just glad that both of y'all didn't cut your thumbs with us. Bob, we've been over here talking about these pocket knives. You and Cody's been playing with both of y'all's. Yeah. And I've just been waiting for one, especially since yours new. I've been waiting for you to cut yours. Well, if, if I do carry it, which I, I will, I'll stick it in my pocket because I like to carry my knives, and then I like to put them up, and then that way the kids can inherit them one day, and they'd say, well, Daddy carried this pocket knife. I don't I don't believe in having new pocket knives and putting them up and not carrying them. I, I want to carry them, and then that way kids, grandkids, I can say, well, Granddaddy carried this pocket knife. You know, if, you, if Granddaddy gives them a new pocket knife, it don't mean as much, but if he carried it in his pocket and he used it to slice an apple or whittle a piece of you know whittle a stick or whatever you know right. it means more to them so i definitely will carry this knife i really do appreciate that and guys that was that was also a pretty keen um uh pretty keen piece of uh dating advice that mr uh taylor just gave if you leave your pocket <laughs> knife over there you you now have an excuse to go back <laughs> <laughs> i had an excuse to go back because i had a pretty blonde head girl over there waiting for me i've been married to that girl for 33 years man well, congratulations yeah that's i'm telling you you know congratulations to her she put up with me for 33 years you know Amen. you know that's funny you say that uh the country music singers that i've always looked up to the most uh you know you look at people like uh charlie daniels and uh even uh you know new like toby keith and stuff like that you know these people were on top of the world and they stayed married to the same woman and there's something to be said about that that's uh you know i know people separate for all different reasons and i'm i'm not i'm not out here to say that you know you know people are evil or wrong or anything like that but you know i look at people like that and it's just uh it's really a testament to uh what's important and it, it those were always the the country music artists that i looked up to the most is not only the people that were you know on top of the charts but you know people that stayed married to the same woman you know because there's a there's a lot of change that goes through somebody's life when they when they uh you have really, no idea when they really hit it I, I remember one of my one of my dear friends in this town he told me he said cody he said People deal with failure in this town every single day. He said, show me somebody that can deal with success. People that can deal with success and not have it all go, he said, those people right there that, are. That is a great, that's a great uh, sentiment right so there. 33 Absolutely. years, you've uh, you've done something. You've done something. Well, I'm it's her. You. It's all her. You know, the only thing, the only thing that that girl and I had in common 
was God, of course. You know, God was first and foremost and still is first and foremost in our life. And we don't want to disappoint God. But the other thing that was, we, we've talked about good daddies and granddaddies today, but, but the other thing in that, uh, in that, uh, relationship that we had to fall back on and, and to push us through was good mamas. Um, her mother's still with us, thank God, and we love her and, and adore her. Mm-hmm. But my mother sat us down when she found out we were engaged. She sat us down and she said, let me tell you something. She said, the pointed at me and she said, you're welcome back in this house anytime you want to come. But you're not welcome back in this house without her. She said, now if y'all going to be married, you're going to be married. We don't believe in this old stuff of you waking up one morning and say, I don't like her. I think I'm going to get a divorce. Now, if she's running around on you, that's one thing. Donna, same thing for you. If he's running around on you, that's another thing. You know. But if you just wake up one morning and say, I don't like her, I decide I'm going to get divorced. She said, you're not welcome back in this house. You come back in this house, you're with her. So when we first got married and we got in these little tiffs, are you married, Chase? Okay, so how long have you been married? Ten, ten years. Okay, all right. So, you you know, when you first get married, you get in these little tiffs. You're trying to figure each other out, and you know. And, you know, she screamed at me because I left my socks in the floor or something. I've left my socks in the floor my entire life. Mom always picked them up. Which I'm not going to pick them up. I ain't your mama, you know. Well, that little, you know, those little things. So there are little times we get in these little tiffs, and I'd say, well, you know, we well, we're just going to separate talking about separate you go to you go to that side of the room and i'll go to this side of the room but we had nowhere else to go so we didn't have any choice but to make up because we had good mamas who had been through that with their husbands and the the tough times and things like that and of course we had god we didn't want first and foremost we didn't want to disappoint god and we sure didn't want to disappoint our mamas and daddies you know uh but you know, after 33 years of being married to this woman, I, I cannot imagine life without her. As a matter of fact, even when she goes out of town now for two or three days or whatever like that, I'm completely lost without her. I bet the floor is covered in socks, too. Do what? I said, I bet the floor is covered in socks, too. No, sir. I picked my socks up. No, sir. No, sir. I picked my socks up, and I put them in the dirty clothes. A lot of, a lot of ham sandwiches and bowls of cereal being eaten. When she goes out, when of she's town. out of town, yes, sir. Because I'm, I'm, I'm lost without her. You know, when she's there, I feel like I have a good hold on things. When she's gone, I feel like I've, I'm, I'm, I'm lost. I don't know what to do. You know. So yeah. one of the dogs pee in the floor, and I'm like, oh my gosh, where's the mop? It, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, uh, it's funny. About the time we, it, like we were talking about earlier, but it seems like just about the time we feel like that, you know. We can take on the world. We can do it all on our own. You know, a girl comes along and shows us that, uh, you know, we can't get out of bed in the morning if but she's not that, there to. But ain't that a wonderful blessing, though? It, it really is. It, it's, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's something that. That uh, girl swoops in and takes your heart and just changes your whole attitude on things. And you it's know? just, you know, I mean, I don't have any other explanation than that's the way God designed it. 
I'll give you a perfect example. I got up this morning on the wrong side of the bed, but I, I got up on the same side I always do because I, I can't, I can't roll over to the other side to get up. So I got up on the same <laughs> side I always do. And I was just, I just, I was in a bad mood. You know, it was just like, ugh, got to go to work in today. <laughs> you know, go through the same old crap I always do. Went to work and I'm sitting there going, ugh, I'm at work. <laughs> I'm doing the same old crap I always do. And then she sends me this text and says, Hey, just want to know I love you and I hope you're having a great day. All of a sudden, I'm in a good mood. You know, I, it just, that one little thing changed my whole outlook on my day, you know. And I felt as giddy as I did when we were, you know, when she was 16, I was 17, and she gave me a love note at school. You know, I was the same, same, the same sentiment came out, you know. Uh, I just hope, I just hope that every person listening to this finds that person. Me too, you know, it's me too. And you know, if, if there's somebody out there listening and they, haven't found that person, I'll leave you with something my mother said to me. When you choose your partner, it is one of the few times in your life where you get to be 100% selfish. Make sure that that's, you know, not somebody that your parents are going to like, not somebody that, you know, you think that all your friends are cool with. Make sure that that's your fit because um, if, if you get in it, for the right reasons, you're going to be in it for the long haul. Because that is going to be the one person, you know, children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, uh, bosses, co-workers, people you do business with, whatever, people you write songs with, whatever. That is going to be the one person standing next to your deathbed. Yeah. You know? I remember when, when we got engaged – and I was still at school at Lipscomb. Or it was David Lipscomb College at the time. But I was at school at Lipscomb, and I was talking to one of my professors. You know, we, we were having lunch one day. He just I was having lunch. he came come over and sit down with me. We were having lunch together. And uh, I told him I got engaged. And I said, you know, I just don't know what it is. I said, I think she's the right one, but how do you know you found the right one? And he looked at me and he said, let me tell you, let me tell you how you know you found the right one. If she's standing at your graveside, then you know you found the right one. Because she's going to be the one to follow you there. You know? Yeah. And that really made me stop and think. And I, I knew when he said that, I said, she'll, she will be the one. That'll go with me to that. She'll go with me that far, you know. So, yeah. uh, just um, you know, I like I said, I hope everybody that that that's out there listening finds the one like like I was able to find. I do too. You know, I really do. So, well, it's been a good podcast, fellas. I've really enjoyed sitting here getting to talk with y'all, tell some stories. Um, Papa Papa's paycheck was. One of my favorite co-writes and one of my favorite songs to sing. Unfortunately, I haven't been doing much playing and singing lately. Um, but, you know, it's kind of sounding pretty cool on the piano the more I play it on that. This uh, left-handed guitar situation is coming along. 
maybe one day I'll play it on that thing too. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's been a special song to me over the years. It's been a special song to my dad, and um, I think it honestly brought us closer together when when we wrote it, my dad and I. And uh, like I said, it's just been really special to me over the years, and it's been really good. To get to sit here and share some stories with uh, with y'all about your granddaddies too, and and I, I know we've been on here for a minute, and I I know we're probably all getting a little tired, but is there? I will give y'all a shot. Is there any other last stories you want to tell about your granddaddies before we roll? Uh, I don't. I don't. I mean, there's there's thousands of stories. That I know. I, that I, I could, know. That I, I know. Could go through. I know. And um, I don't want to make. I don't want to make you force you to sit on one or nothing like that. I just wanted to give you another shot because one I, that I was thinking of, and I'll tell it that way. You got a second to think. That you were talking about the pocket knife and Papa. That whole situation with yeah. you, right? Well, I remember when we were writing. I don't remember necessarily who came up with the idea of that line of uh, um, yellow handle case that he bought me at the feed and seed. Uh, keep as sharp as a razor. That he said that's the way it ought to be. I can literally hear that coming out of Papa's mouth. Yeah, You're you got to keep that thing yeah. sharp as a razor. That's the way it ought to be. I can literally hear that phrase coming directly out of his mouth. Yep. And so, um, yeah, that line, the 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 case line, that really resonates heavily with me and both of my granddads. And then this Stephen shotgun. I knew Dad was going to really really love that. And uh, it's funny, I didn't remember that you guys, like, y'all both had, like you said, you at least had handled Steven's shotguns and stuff. Because, honestly, I don't even know if I had, like, shot a Steven shotgun at that point. Personally, I just knew my dad had always talked about 410 Steven shot shot. You know, shot, shot. and I just remember read. I mean, you get you, you get fascinated with, you know, with a gun when you're first there and you read all the little letters. And, of course... Stevens was acquired by Savage, yeah. and I think for a little while it was Stevens Savage, and then um, and then I don't know if they're still making Stevens. I know you know you know Savage is out. By the way, if Steven or Savage or Case Niles wants to sponsor Jesse's podcast. <laughs> We would, oh my uh, gosh! If we would, Case Nice were to sponsor our fi- uh, podcast, I think I'd have a heart attack. We yeah. would, uh, we would love it. We would love it for them. Yeah, <laughs> no doubt. That just made my my face my face red. Wow, that would be awesome. I just want to say how appreciative we are for y'all to have us on here. And when you text me, Jesse, I was like, absolutely, I'll be there. And um. Even if I wasn't already coming up, you know, um, I would have made the trip just for that. Mm. Um, and then also you talk about the people out there who can relate to this song and who have reached out and, and actually verbally expressed to y'all how much it meant. And I know you've talked about how much it's meant to you. And all of that is is why I write songs. That means more, and I, I'm sure I'm speaking for Cody and Jesse too, but that means more to me than any money return could ever mean, you know, for somebody to to say how much a song that I had a part in writing, whether I co-wrote it or wrote it myself, uh, affected their lives, especially on a, a positive, had a positive impact in a pers- on a personal level and um Helped him through a situation, or 
like I said, just brought back good memories of those that have passed on or whatever it may be. Um, that means the world to me. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I'm, I, like I said, you know, I don't have uh, – I've got thousands of stories about both my grandpas. Um, it's, um, you know, these are men that – we were so fortunate and, and appreciative just to have them be a part of our lives. And they're the type fellas that, um, you know, when you get down or you get on hard times and you think about them, um, they're the type of fellas that if, if you were lucky enough to know them, then you're lucky enough. Um, Man, I love that. I love that. I think I think that's wonderful. Well, I've already written it, so. <laughs> so you may you you may not, I can't get songwriting credit on that. <laughs> I've, I've 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 written that one, but it's just one of those things. You know, if 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 you were lucky enough to have somebody in that in your life, you were you were lucky enough. That's. I I can't think of anything else to say. Yeah. A- after that, I think that solidifies what we're talking about. I think it does too. Um, fellas, thank you again so much. Um, Cody Walden, Chase Daniel, not Chase Walden. When I introduced you earlier, it sounded like I introduced y'all like y'all was married. But y'all are not married though, right? Well, that's exactly who I was, who I was, when mom said find somebody that, you know. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> Chase, we're. You definitely have to stay on your side of the road. <laughs> You're talking about old Chase Walden over there, buddy. Well. Chase Daniel, Cody Walden, fellas for real. It means a lot to me that y'all came to do this. It was like really good for my heart to go back through and talk about this song and then talk about writing it too. It's just like nostalgia to the max. Um, yeah, I thank you guys for letting me in on that, right? Because I do believe it was something y'all had worked out without me and I may have, uh, begged you to let me in on it. You, Chase, or, uh, Jesse, you brought you brought music that neither one of us could have brought, and that was you. I would have never thought of that. Melody. That was a that, that was, melody was that melody makes the song. I mean, it's it's. I mean, it's de- definitely a very important piece of. How, however, you old. got there, Papa's paycheck would have never happened without you. That's right. And so that's that's the thing. I mean, you know, we got a little bit of magic that day. You know, we come we come to the writing room. Uh, day in and day out and uh we try to achieve what we got that day and you know i can't tell you how how much i appreciate you inviting us here you know this is this is you know really flattering really humbling to be able to be here i want to say if i'm not mistaken not only was that my first ride in nashville that was my first co-ride ever Mm. i don't think I don't think I had co-written a song before that. Period. Period. Not, not even, not even with one person. Wow. Well, I'm going to tell you something from somebody on the outside who was not a part of the writing of that song. It had nothing to do with it, but have listened to it probably a thousand times. But for the people who listen to it, you will cause them to stop and think and remember the good granddaddies that had an impact on their life. And I have a feeling that that, that's what you guys are all about. You know, in in this, in the surrounding that we are here at Creative Vets and there, 
I guess you call this their office, their studio, their the build their building. You know, they're here to impact lives and 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 help people and save lives. They and save, save a lives. lot of lives. You know, I mean, when I sit there and I listen to that song and I and I hear the words about the good granddaddies and 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 the journey that you took with your grandfathers. You know, to me that I I can't help but say that maybe it might have saved my life a couple of times. You know what I'm saying? It just reminds you that you got to keep going and do what you need to do so that you can have that same impact on some little fellow one day coming up that maybe would write a song about me. You know, a good granddaddy, you know? So yep. thank you guys so much for being here tonight. Thank you for your stories. We really appreciate it. No problem. You know? We Once again, we appreciate y'all having us. Um, but now I got a good bag. That wasn't my first cut ride ever. That was my first three-person ride. Yeah. I had co-written some songs with just a buddy of mine. Um, wrote some with Scott Colburn back home. but um, That could have been my first three person right but, too, but as I'm, far as far as being in a room with more than one other rider that's mm-hmm. and it was and it was definitely my first co-ride in nashville y'all go listen to papa's paycheck if you don't mind i put it out on a project called slowing down a year or so ago and uh give that thing a spin what's your buddy's name down in georgia he did a video of it i think i watched it recently too it's got quite so that a few thing's views. been recorded by a couple people i know um Scott Colburn and I uh, took it into a studio with Gary DiBenedetto back in Moultrie. He did some stuff with Cody, and um, that's that's one great version. That is actually on Spotify under Southtown Riders. Nice. W-R-I-T-E-R-S. That's a full band studio version. Um, and then Justin Spivey also did an acoustic. Um, he did a video of right, it. Right, there's a video. It's got quite a few views. Yeah, it's on YouTube. Dude, I've not seen that. I'm going to see that. Yep. Yeah, we'll Justin. Get it, it's uh, Justin Spivey. Oh yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. That's great. So yeah, y'all go check those out and and check mine out too, and give it a spin and let us know what you think. And if you got your granddaddy, go sit down and play it with your granddaddy too. Um, uh, thank you guys again for coming. I love y'all. I appreciate y'all. Thank y'all. And um, love you, Jesse. Good times, friends. Good times, Dad. Thanks again for doing this with me. Love you, bud. Love you. All right, everybody. Y'all have a great evening. We'll see you next time.